Welcome, welcome, welcome one, welcome all to the Soda Pop Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Hankins. This is season three, episode 18. And today we have a very special episode for you today. We have the amazing Vince Salpietro. And we have the wonderful Keely Sheridan with us today. Everybody give a warm Soda Pop welcome to these wonderful guests. All right. So I want you guys to just basically... <laughs> I want you guys to just basically introduce yourselves and tell us some, uh, about what you guys do. Is that me? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, my name is Keely Sheridan. I am a, uh, a visiting assistant professor in cinematic arts and theater. No longer visiting, actually. I'm staying. I'm an assistant professor now. Uh, I teach primarily acting and directing, and that's my creative background. I've worked as an actor and director in uh, New York for about 15 years in both stage and film work. I also have a background in dance, so choreography, movement, uh, all of that good stuff. And I'm uh, Vince Salpietro. I'm assistant professor of design and technology in the new CAT Cinematic Arts and Theater BFA program. I've been around for, uh, this is my, uh, I can't remember, second year. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty new here as well. Uh, so both me and Keely are around to sort of revamp our new uh, Cinematic Arts and Theater BFA program uh and uh work some new uh theater into the mix at, at una nice are you guys enjoying your time in una so far i am yeah it's funny i actually had never been to the state of alabama until i moved here to take this job because of covid i didn't even come visit when i was interviewing so i am new <laughs> but i but i mean everyone's been wonderful i i've been very happy with my time here so far uh, same with me. I, I think the first time that I was down in Alabama was when I came to visit, luckily, uh, normalish times uh, when I was hired. Uh, I came from, I was resident scenic designer and paint charge, so the head of the paint shop at um, Cincinnati Shakespeare Company in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I've worked uh, professional, I come from the professional world, not the teaching world. So I've worked at a, a bunch of traveling around designing for different theaters around as well as a I've been a, a, a paint apprentice at the at the Santa Fe Opera. Uh, I've been all over the place. It's sort of the nature of theater to just go where the work is. Luckily, it uh, kind of landed here and trying to work with Keeley to uh, develop an artistic community and, and set down some roots and make a home for uh, the type of work that we're doing. I think that's wonderful. Uh, as an aside, I'd really like to know, like, you know, Cincinnati, New York, these are really big places. And Florence is like kind of, well, Alabama, I mean, Florence is really kind of like a local, smaller, condensed uh, community. So could you guys compare like your time? I know you haven't been there for very long, but could you compare working in Cincinnati and working to, in New York to like working in Florence? Yeah, what's, what's really interesting uh, is that Theaters pop up in places that you actually might not expect. Uh, everyone knows about Chicago, everyone knows about New York, everyone knows about LA, um, but there are plenty of places in between. I mean, even uh, in Montgomery, the Alabama Shakespeare Festival is, you know, reputable. We all know that we would go there for the summers. It, it's, a, it's a thing you know. Uh, uh, St. Louis is a big theater scene. Uh, it's, it's pretty much when you think about it, any metropolitan area in any state 
is going to have a touring house or some kind of theater or some kind of opportunity where they're going to need union crews, they're going to need backstage people, they're going to need stuff that facilitates even a, a even an acting troupe that's just coming through for a day's performance. All of these spots have a have a hometown of theater that they're making. So. What's interesting about Florence is, and I'm sure Keeley has some stuff to say coming straight from New York, um, there's a huge community theater scene here. Um, so this town is sort of primed for the arts. Also, I mean, there's, there's uh, when you walk down Court Street, you, you could tell there's the fashion stuff, there's the music uh, ties that we have, obviously. So Florence isn't as, as, as remote from uh, as what you might think. Uh, and it was great to just feel that energy when we came here. I mean, obviously we're coming from big places and different places and we're sticking around. Uh, so there's a, there's, a there's a super cool opportunity to make stuff happen. And, and there's really not much like what we're doing around Alabama either, uh, compared with even other schools. I mean, there, there are the big schools that, that, that we know of, uh, but you know, uh, the stuff that we're making and the shows that are happening here are competitive. Uh, when we go out uh, and we are recruiting, uh, we are definitely seeing, you know, even in a bigger school, the work we're doing here is, is just as good, if not more interesting. Yeah, I mean, I would tag on to that to say that, you know, even though New York is a big city and, and that's where I'm from, so that's kind of what I know, uh, the arts community is small and very interwoven. And so in some ways, you end up working with the same people over and over and over again. Uh, and um, something that I've been really kind of pleasantly surprised with here is that I don't, like Vince mentioned, there is a real sort of openness to the arts, to cinema, to uh, theater. And, and so you don't have the same challenge that you might in some other areas of convincing people why what you do is important. It seems like Florence is, has its arms open to the performing arts already which is great. That takes a lot of pressure off our back and lets us just sort of focus on making good work, not also having to justify to people why they should <laughs> go come to the theater or support cinema or come, come watch new films. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've been super, super pleased with how open and welcoming the community and the university has been to the type of work that Vince and I are trying to do. I also went to school at, uh, at SCAD. So I, I, grew up uh, with through a couple degrees. I got my uh, undergrad and master's there as well. Um, so I'm, I'm familiar with the sort of local Southern feel of things. Uh, I would say Florence is definitely headed in, the, in a similar direction where it's sort of this arts focus. Uh, there's some just cool stuff going on that's sort of revitalizing a town and, and bringing it into a new age. No, that's amazing. Uh, I'm really glad that you guys are feeling welcome because a common theme in our episodes, uh, and I'm sure that everybody would agree, is that Florence and UNA has a very welcoming and a very uh, a very welcoming community, and uh, and I'm just happy to see that's like a thing with everybody. Like every guest, all the professors we uh, interview, all the people in the Shoals area that we interview, they all have the same thing, uh, and students as well. I'll say that. Uh, uh, UNA has a very welcoming community. So that's really good uh, to hear that. So in terms of growth and progression in the uh, CAP program, what makes you the most excited about the program's future? I a couple of things come right to mind for me. Uh, you know, this is our first year as a, our first semester actually as a BFA of cinematic arts and theater combined. And so, 
seeing the opportunity for our students to develop dexterity in both areas and graduate, even if they're an acting concentration, feeling comfortable both in front of the camera and on stage is very exciting and something a lot of schools aren't doing. Uh, you, you know, a lot of schools will focus on one. There are actually very few acting for camera programs in uh, undergraduate universities. So uh, it's exciting to see the opportunity for the students to do both. And then also creatively, we're finding ways to kind of fold the two mediums in together. Chat room, which we'll, we'll talk about, has a, a films component to it. So um, even though it's a live stage performance, we were able to utilize some film students to help us shoot a, a films component of it. And that's the type of work I'm really excited to keep playing with is where the, the disciplines meet and mix. Also with the, with the BFA professional program that we've developed uh, and that has launched this semester, uh, we've sort of been able to move forward modeling our program after a sort of professional theater atmosphere. So the goal is that coming through our program and, and working towards your BFA in theater, whether it's acting, um, uh, design tech, or uh, on the film side, we're trying to create environment that that lets students participate in work that uh, feels professional, uh, that is modeled after uh, what they can expect to see in the real world when they're getting real jobs in real theaters. Uh, uh, and also just bringing a, a, a level of, of work uh, to the community that does feel like uh, you're going to a, a, a professional house in a bigger city or something like that, um, just because there is so much opportunity for that, that kind of work to be showcased here. As an aside as well, I'm curious, why do you guys think that, uh, I don't mean this as a disrespectful question, I want to phrase it the right way, but I, I just wonder why this hasn't happened sooner because it seems to make a lot of sense. Why do you guys, why do you guys think it uh, only just now happened? And why do you think other schools aren't implementing this as well? I can speak on behalf of uh, other schools just because I'm so new here. I actually don't know the, the whole history of the development of the program, but I know for a lot of other schools, uh, the focus of, on, of training actors has been specifically for the stage with the kind of idea that if you are able to sustain a stage performance in a truthful and, and sort of natural manner that then film performance is in some ways just kind of toning that down, which I would disagree with. I think that they are different mediums, uh, but also a lot of faculty um, in, in some of the institutions I've taught at have only stage experience. And when you're, especially when you think of New York, it, New York is one of the few cities that you can make a career doing only theater work as an actor. You don't have to do film and TV to, to make a living. And so there are these, a, a lot of really talented actors who are kind of siloed into theater and, and not thinking about performing in both. That is changing. Um, but I think lots of schools just have professors who have devoted their lives to theater and don't have the ability to teach or kind of, you know, think about how to bring film into a, an acting program. But I think it's changing and, and it's changing because even a city like New York, which would have been like a, the theater city, uh, is now getting a lot of production houses for film, right? Like Netflix has a studio in New York, um, Amazon Studios shoots in New York. So as technology becomes more accessible and as uh, film production continues to kind of spread its fingers throughout the country instead of being really seated in LA and you know Atlanta, um, there's more of a need for actors to be able to do both. 
And so that's why it's changing now, I think. I'm, and I'm also glad you pointed out it, it makes plenty of sense because this has kind of been a long time coming. Even though I'm new here, I've, I've been here for a hot second and I, I was sort of thrown in right away. It was like, oh, by the way, we're gonna build this new program with the, with the film department. And um, we're both kind of small entities on campus uh, historically, uh, but that work has always had a lot of crossover and there's just, it's sort of almost a, just the, the formal process of making this happen. Um, so so this, is, this has been going on, it's, 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 it's a thing that's been happening, but now we just get to have that BFA title and that uh, department uh, denotation to our, to our CAT program. Uh, and I think also like what Keely said, I, I especially in light of the pandemic, like you're seeing almost a, a democratization of the production process. Um, we're seeing how much collaboration happens digitally already. I mean, I'm still, uh, uh, the great thing about, about being in a school like this is that we're encouraged for our tenure to go out and still create professional theater. So I'm still working with, with companies. Uh, Keely's still working with companies. Uh, we you know, are out and about making real theater happen outside of the, the university environment. And I do most of that work digitally anyway. So uh, being able to just see that work is happening all over, the opportunities are only popping up more for students. So I think we'll probably see more places do stuff like this just because the nature of theater because now, I mean, before you might have to say, oh, in order for me to make film, I only have to study film and I can only do that by going to only a certain number of schools in a certain place that makes film. Now we're saying, hey, you can be in Florence, Alabama, learn how to make film, learn how to make theater, and then use those connections to go out and, and do it for a real living. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad that this is happening now, and I, I can't wait to see other uh, institutions implement that as well. I'm sure they will. Uh, it's only a matter of time, like you said. Um, so, so specifically, you guys have a play coming up, and it deals with taboo and serious topics, you know, things that have, things that have been really important, especially in recent times, you know, within the past 10 years, um, like mental health, teenage depression, suicidal thoughts um was there a specific reason as to why this play was produced and shown now during these times yeah there's a couple uh and i can talk sort of maybe about some of the story stuff and vince you can ch chime in and also the logistics of it uh i mean i think worldwide this has been one of the most sort of prolonged periods of isolation and, uh, the, you know, we, we very quickly went from normal life to having to isolate ourselves in a way that most people had never experienced before. And so I think the, the topics right of like isolation, mental health, because everyone in the world is dealing with their normal being completely uprooted and, and trying to find a new sort of equilibrium just felt very accessible right now. It didn't feel like much of a reach to, to, begin a process with the actors and ask them to think about right times that they've felt unstable or times that they felt uh you know um alone because that's that's kind of what's happening right now i think too uh i was excited because all of the characters in this play are teenagers they're either 15 or 16 years old and uh there's a lot of media that looks at issues of teenage mental health and uh <clears throat> sorry mental health and, and depression from the lens of an adult 
for sort of like how you can be involved and, and support these teenagers, but this is really the teenagers kind of on their own, um, dealing with things in their own way, some, uh, you know, some more healthily than others. So I just was excited to see a piece that allowed the teenagers to speak for themselves uh, and, and um, figure things out on their own. Keely, do you want to uh, give like a, a director overview of the show for anyone? Yeah, yeah, I can give a little synopsis. I think that would, you're right, that would help. So it's that uh, we, the play follows six teenagers who only interact in chat rooms online. They don't know each other in real life. Uh, and they sort of, this it's set in early, the early 2000s, 2003. So the internet is newish. Their parents don't know how to use it. Their parents don't know how to protect them. Uh, and they're kind of, toying for the first time it's funny because this would be vince's in my generation of we this we were around this age when this technology was coming out um toying around with having being able to create a persona online being able to sort of decide who you are and how people interact with you uh and also being able to try things out without the same accountability that you would have if you were doing something in person for example speaking to someone in a way that Maybe you would be too afraid to in person, but online you have a little more freedom or leeway, yeah? So um, these, these teenagers discuss everything from uh, pop culture, music, literature, right? Just an overall kind of frustration about the lack of autonomy and independence that they feel. And then one person comes into uh, uh, the chat room who is dealing with pretty serious depression. Uh, and uh, you know sort of like suicidal ideation he he's been in suicide chat rooms and he's uh, at a much sort of like further progress <laughs> i would say that they all are, are dealing with some mental health issues but he's pretty far um pretty far along the line of, of what he's dealing with and the other teenagers in the room have kind of a decision to make of whether they try to help him themselves whether they try to use him to help themselves whether they try to get an adult involved and they don't agree on what to do. Um, and so without giving away too much of what happens, we see these young people without the tools to really guide someone through a mental health crisis, being given the autonomy and independence because they're online to do so. And, and we see kind of what, how they handle that power. From a uh, from a sort of production standpoint, I think what's inter interesting about this show is that um, we're using it as an opportunity to move towards uh, some sense of, of safe normalcy within the theater. Uh, last fall, we did a completely digital production of Iphigenia and Other Daughters uh, that was uh, completely online, completely separated, completely remote, so the audiences were watching uh, via our stream on YouTube. Um, but for this one, we are inviting um, a safe social distance practice audiences into the theater. So uh, a lot of the, the ways that we chose and approached the show also had to do with that as well. Uh, it kind of seems a little ironic or, or funny that uh, a show that takes place in the world completely virtually, all these, all these kids are, are online and they are not in the same room. Um, we've chosen it for the show that brings us back to being in the same room. Um, but the, the structure of that, that show itself kind of, kind of played along with how we designed it and how we 
found ways to make this idea work, not only for what we need for the show, but for safety protocols. So um, all of the actors, since they in the world are not part of the same room, are in literal separate chat rooms that look like uh, what their home might look like at the time. Uh, they're all separated into, into separate pods uh, that will be surrounded by uh, plastic sheeting so that they can, they can uh, be maskless while still protected from the audiences. Um, but and so this, uh, this is kind of twofold with the design as well. It, it, it gave us the opportunity to separate these characters into different spaces, um, but then also build like a literal chat room. It, it's, it's the room itself. And, and Keeley sort of talked about it as well. We grew up in this time period where the internet was new and you know, it was post dial up. Uh, so it was the first time you could just access the internet without shutting down your whole house and using the phone line. Um, and what was important to us was that in 2003, when you're doing these private things, there's these, these super deep, dark stuff that these kids are doing on the computers. Most likely at that time, that computer was in your living room. That computer was in your dad's office. That, was, that computer was at the kitchen counter. Uh, and that still might be this case for some people who don't have a personal device. I mean, we all have our phones, but at that time to get onto the internet and to do these, these really, I mean, there's cyberbullying, there's these talks of mental health, there's all this stuff that's going on. Probably your mom's sitting on the couch watching, you know, Criminal Minds next to you. It, it's it's this, this weird world where you're like, you're at home, but then you're talking with these other people and you're, it's, it's just this, this interesting juxtaposition that we really played up through the set. You know, it, it should feel like, kids in the suburbs at their house talking about this crazy stuff and we want the audience to feel that as well i apologize i'm i'm curious so as far as like you know you said that they're uh in the pods and the pods would be uh kind of like made up to how their home would look like and they're in chat rooms throughout the entire thing so is their dialogue spoken directly and that's what they would say in the chat room yeah, all of the dialogue of the play takes place, they're speaking out loud, but every single word that's spoken in the play, it's assumed is being typed into a chat room. So they never actually talk to each other <laughs> outside of the chat room at all. We only ever hear their voices in the chat room as their online personas. We never see them interact with family. We never see them interact with their real life friends. We only see this very weird kind of, uh, private and public version of themselves. Private in that they're at home and they're anonymous, public in that they're online and interacting with other people. And this show was, this the, the script is written for six chairs on a stage and that's it. Uh, so we've, we've made the active decision to kind of blow that up a little bit more so that we can explore some of those things. You know, uh, Keely, there's, there's in the acting room, uh, there are sort of devices that we're using, theatrical devices to say when they're logged on, when they're logged off. Uh, we're seeing, I'm sure we'll see like uh, uh, when characters are contradicting what they would theoretically be typing. So their actions are sort of betraying what we're, we're hearing them say to the other people. Uh, we're just playing with that whole world. That's really interesting. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's amazing. That's like such a really good idea. I, uh, I really want to see this. This is this sounds like amazing. Um, yeah, you have to come. Yes, I, I really will. Um, I'm not. I'm not just saying that because like I'm interviewing. I swear, I really. That's really exciting. Um, so, uh, 
you know, as you described, that's a really interesting way to set up a play. You know, I really enjoy that idea of having like pod because, it, like you said, it goes within uh, it fits within the safety standards, and it's also a good way to show how a character may be without actually saying it. Um, it's visual, and we, you know, you guys sent a couple of pictures, and they all it seems really eccentric, and also it gives off dark and mysterious vibes. So, like, what was the inspiration beside for these design choices? So, uh, I mean, the main driving force is that it's set in 2003, so it wants to look like it's in 2003. We'll, we'll see that through the fashion in the, in the costume choices. We'll th- see that through the technology on stage. We sort of had to go through eBay to make sure we had uh, Gen 3 or earlier iPods. Uh, we have some cameras. We have, you know, the the the... Uh, the the speakers that they're using to play music. This is a very music-based show. It's written into the script. There's going to be a lot of transitions that it's, it feels like a... Co- I've been saying the set should feel like uh, 2003 teenagers doing a, a production of Rent. It's it's showing their living environments. It's showing this, this sort of suburban world uh, that they're all coming from. They are a very sort of upper middle class uh, and there's some class class stuff going on with the, the stuff that they talk about. Um, but that was the real inspiration. It was to, to set up these rooms that both look like a generic um, suburban house, but also could have a, it, they felt like their own. It was their private spaces. So uh, we'll see, there's, there's gonna be a lot of lighting effects that go on, uh, we're hoping, and, and there's a big what if because people have not been doing theater with plastic boots um, for very long uh, or on purpose at least. Uh, so we, we've we've taken reference from uh, the Atlanta Opera and some other stuff that we've seen people doing uh, for these safety protocols for actors. And and what's interesting about this effect is that we can kind of use that plastic. Um, and we're working with a with a visiting lighting des- professional lighting designer. Um, and his plan is to use LED tape to sort of um, downlight and uplight that plastic itself, so that we can give the audience because there's no computers, we're not seeing these actors fake typing or anything like that. They're speaking, but we know they're in chat rooms. So using that plastic as a device to say, this is the screen, you know, like there is a separation between the audience and themselves the way that there would be with the actors and the characters and the other characters on stage. So it's, it's just this cool world that's all sort of conceptually melding together uh, within the safety practices. And, and we can talk about with the safety uh, stuff is going to be for the audiences as well because I think that'll be important. Uh, this is a, a live, live produced theater uh, with the actors on stage maskless, but they will be uh, separated by these plastic barriers uh, within the within the guidelines of safety that we found. The audience um, that was a big challenge. The audience will be socially distant themselves, so we're we're selling tickets in sort of pods of one or two. So when you go onto the website, you can buy one or two tickets at a time so that those seats will be placed socially distanced from other audience members. So, you know, if you have somebody you're comfortable and have been quarantining with, you can buy a two ticket. You will still wear a mask. The entire show will will be enforcing that strictly, Um, but you can sit together and then the next set of audience members will be six feet or more away from you. Uh, in in the audience itself. So there's a barrier not only between the actors, but between other audience members. Where uh, I think Keeley has been working on the box office stuff so we can talk about how tickets are sold and, and sort of when the cutoff is because we'll, we'll be having no will call or anything like that. We're, we're doing our best to do as much advanced planning as we can to make sure everyone feels as safe and comfortable as possible. 
Yeah, that was my next question, basically, was how you guys uh, implementing the safety standards. But that 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 was a very good rundown of it all. Um, so basically, if my understanding is correct, you know, you can buy tickets within uh, a certain amount of time. And then within uh, you can buy one or two for you with someone who you've been socially distancing with. And then uh, you will be placed in a certain section. And then whoever else is there, they will be placed at least six feet away from you. Uh, and then also you did say within the design choices that the characters, they would be speaking the dialogue, but they wouldn't be like fake typing anything because you have things that were, that we as the audience would understand are screens and they would be speaking to the screen. Okay, wow, this is really, really cool. Oh my gosh. Okay, so how long do you think this play would be? Play runs about an hour and five minutes, no intermission which uh, is my favorite length of theater. I love, <laughs> I, it's funny because just for a theater maker, I always have, a, uh, unless something, some things need to be longer, but I really like just one bite, right? Like you come in, you sit, you have your show. And then before your body is telling you like, oh, get up, move me, go to the bathroom, it's done. So uh, not every show can be like that, but we're lucky that this one can be. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, as of right now, as of last night's rehearsal, an hour and five minutes. Okay. I asked because I myself have not, I've only been to like two plays, like on, like, uh, on my own, like not like going on a field trip, like on my own. And I really enjoyed it. And, and that's why I asked. Um, but I do want to ask you guys a couple more questions because I'm having a lot of fun with you guys. Uh, and we're going to wrap it up pretty soon. I know you guys are busy, but I wanted to ask a what if question. Uh, Mr. Vince, if you could design uh, any movie, what would it be? And Miss Keely, <laughs> Ms. Keely, if you could direct any movie, what would it be? Oh, yikes. Uh, that's a tough one because I'm very dedicatedly a theater person. Uh, the world of production design in movies is, I mean, there's complete different lingo. There's complete different hierarchy of how people work. Uh, there's the obvious crossover between, you know, the type of work we do on stage and movies. But uh, the biggest difference is, you know, I follow a 30 foot rule. I know my my audience is never going to uh, see anything closer up than 30 feet. Uh, so I have a little bit of wiggle room of the like theatricality of what I could do and how I produce things. Uh, that changes when you're on camera because it's the same as acting. You're right up in their face. You're right up there. So if you make a prop that looks fake, it's going to be fake. Uh, I love production design anyway. I mean, I love Wes Anderson. Uh, I love uh, anything that just has that sort of like sumptuous production design to it where you're like, this is not just a movie, this is something we're watching visually and taking out of. Uh, I love some older stuff in the 70s that's just like colors and, and texture and weird shapes and, and experimental filmmaking. Uh, anything from a, a, uh, the Annapurna A24 studios, they, they always have a great uh, oeuvre of, of stuff that they're producing. Uh, as far as theater goes, what do I love? I love immersive stuff. And the reason that, that Keely and I really have, have uh, gotten along so well as collaborators is Keely works in the same sort of uh, environment that I, I like to produce in as well. As I, I like to take classic works and I always say, I, I, I don't like to get rid of the fourth wall. I like to sort of blur the lines between where the audience starts and the, and the production begins. Um, I think people get really intimidated by the thought of 
going to the theater and having to participate in an immersive piece. Um, but I try with everything that I do to sort of make the audience feel involved. If they're not on stage, which is a lot of the work that I do, it's if, if you saw uh, Waiting for Godot last year, even Doll's House 2, uh, both of those had uh, setups where the audience was part of the show. They were built into the structure of the set itself. Um, so I love this kind of work and, and, and doing stuff like that. No, it doesn't answer your question really about exactly what movie I would do, but as far as types of work, if anybody internationally, as we found our audiences, is listening to this uh, and likes that kind of stuff, please reach out and, and we'd love to help you produce it. Yeah, I, on, on that, uh, this is also not answering your question, but something Vince just said made me think of this great quote by Anne Bogart is a, uh, a director and an acting teacher. Um, she co-founded the City Company and they do a lot of really kind of wild theater work. And she, I'm gonna paraphrase her quote, but she said that you should direct a show, she was speaking about live theater, like you would plan a surprise party for someone you love. I so love you're planning everything from like, okay, they're gonna walk in this door and the first thing they're gonna see is this and then they're gonna smell this and then they're gonna sit right in this chair and this chair feels like, you know, that same kind of like care and detail you put into planning like a surprise for someone you love. That's how you should direct theater. Um, and I agree, right? Even if it's not audience interaction, I like to fold the audience in so that it's, it's never really them over here and then us over here telling you what you should know. It's much more of a partnership. Um, but uh, to answer your original question, actually the first place my mind went was to uh, music videos. And the reason that I'm so interested in that, I think is because of my dance background and my love for just really kind of like wild, absurd, luscious, like rich, saturated sort of aesthetics, like the carnivalesque end of almost any visual, that's where I'm at. Like I want it to look wild. And there's something so cool about music videos because they are, you know, short format. Uh, and there's the op there's this kind of like thing tying everything together, which is the song and the quality of the sounds, but then all of the, it's like the best of, you know, cutaways in film, right? You can just cut to like all of this kind of wild, rich imagery. So uh, that's what I like. That and sort of like absurdist kind of uh, fantasy-esque, not fantasy as in uh, dragons, although I don't mind that. <laughs> but uh, fantasy is in sort of like, um, you know, uh, what what your daydreams are like and seeing that played out in, you know, where your brain goes when you're kind of not paying attention on where you are, but where you want to be. That sort of aesthetic for film is really exciting to me. Uh, yeah. Oh, those are really interesting answers and I'm glad you guys were really honest. I, I, I know that uh, you guys are really primarily, in, and I didn't really know that that theater production and film production I mean, as a outsider looking in, I always thought that it was like kind of on the same coin, two sides of the same coin. But yeah, that does make sense that it's like, there's different lingos and there's different, and, and, and it's like way more intense because you're right up on it, you know? So I didn't think about that. So, but I do appreciate your answers. Like, I know, I know that I, I made it difficult because I wanted, I just wanted to know. Uh, but th those are really good answers. And I also wanted to ask, before we go. Um, so is there any way that a person who is not a theater major or an actor, is there any way that they could be a part of a production at yeah. all? 
Yes, we had non-theater majors in our last show. Uh, we have non-acting concentration people performing in this show. We have two film production students as actors in this show. Um, our, our auditions are open to any UNA student. Same with our crews uh, and building productions as well. I know a lot of people, uh, that's the way that we, we get them involved in as to become theater majors is, you know, maybe they were going in a different track or they did it in high school or they've done it before with community local stuff. Uh, we want to be open to everyone. We're, we're such a small department right now uh, that we really do need the help. So uh, I know it sounds counterintuitive that if you've never made theater before, those are the, the people we want. You know, we, we want to teach you. We want to help you learn. We want to get you involved. We need all hands on deck. It can't just be, you know, the four people in the room producing theater. It takes more than people expect. So, uh, yeah, we are open to non-majors. We're open to you know, uh, you know, if you're a fashion design major, that's a great way to get involved with costume design, fine arts majors with scenic painting. I'm a, I'm a professional master scenic, paint, scenic painter. So, you know, come to me for help. And, and I would love to teach you some of the stuff we do on stage. You know, like Keely said, we've had uh, uh, film majors who figured they, they like to act and they're in our main stage production. So everyone is welcome. That's uh, that's awesome news, okay? Because uh, I would really, really love to do something like that. So all you have to do is just audition. Yeah, just audition. We post everything on our uh, Cinematic Arts and Theater page on Facebook. That's the best way to get info. Uh, but every time we have an audition, it's an open call, general audition. We tell you what's up, and then you schedule. You The first time we did it, we had you just send in a self-tape. Uh, mm -hmm. And then... Um, we did that as well for the the second audition and then we call you back for specific roles uh but yeah you should i'm gonna hold you to it yes I'll yes your name on our next on our <laughs> next uh audition list yeah oh it's so amazing i'm having so much fun right now okay i'm sorry ah uh, don't be sorry <laughs> okay okay well that's great and that's good for everybody to know everybody that's listening anybody can be a part of, a, of, a, of, a, of an amazing production like this. And we, oh yeah, I did want to ask you, um, so the, I'm sorry, I should have asked you this before, but the digital, so it's just streaming, like um, like if you don't want to come to the production, come to the play, you can, you guys are going to stream it. No. Okay. This one, our first production was completely digital and it did stream. Uh, this one, it's it's a licensing thing too, so we had to get you know special permission to do things certain ways, and it's audience numbers and things like that. Uh, this show will be live produced, live acted with a live audience only in the George S. Lindsay Theater, uh, March fourth to ninth. Uh, performances are all at seven p.m. Uh, there is a matinee on Saturday, March. Sorry, Keely, which what date is the March? It's it would be the seventh, I think. March 7th at 2 p.m. Or the 6th. It's the Saturday. It's the 6th. It's the 6th. <laughs> the, the Saturday the has a matinee, yeah. So that's March uh, 4th to 9th every day is at 7 p.m. And then March 6th at 2 p.m. is our matinee. Uh, you can get tickets at uh, by follow clicking the, the, the button at the header of una.edu slash theater, or you can go through the School of the Arts page directly. Uh, for the ticketing info, it all leads to the same place to uh, all tickets have to be pre-reserved. We'll stop selling tickets two hours before every performance so that we're able to set up the audiences safely. Um, and yeah, you can find the info there. I'm, I'm sure 
uh, you can share along with the the link to the tickets along with this uh, along with the the podcast itself. Yes, yes, yes. So you heard it here, folks. Come down and get your ticket to see this amazing show. I definitely will be. I'm super excited to see this, um, and I'm so happy to meet you guys. Um, and yeah, yes, 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 yes. Uh, so this has been it for this episode. Um, like I said, I very much enjoyed talking to you guys and meeting you guys. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we really appreciate it, and we hope to see more of you guys as well. Um, but this has been another episode of the Soda Pop Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and we will see you next week. Tune in next week uh, for uh, – we did an episode with the um, – the student counseling services in the women's center uh they did a takeover episode and it was absolutely amazing you would love it please watch it it's so uh informational and so inspirational um everyone everyone should watch that but yeah uh, i hope you guys have an amazing day and thank you so much for joining me thank you thank thanks you. for having us we got plenty right. to talk about in the future oh yes yes we definitely will and this was a great episode because um you guys were here before, but I mean, this is like kind of like an updated kind of thing, you know? So this was a great episode. So thank you guys again. And I appreciate you. Yeah, our pleasure. Also, <laughs> for real, you should come audition for something. I will. I would love, oh my gosh. I have the name written down now, so you can't, you can't. <laughs> yeah, you really will. You will. Uh, thank you. She'll do, yeah. yeah, she'll do personal classes with you. I've seen it. I've seen yeah. it. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, Miss Keely, I'm definitely, yes, I, I will. Everybody listening, I definitely will. And when I and when I do it, I'm gonna t whatever episode on the podcast, I'm gonna I'm gonna say what it is, like what I auditioned for and stuff. And hopefully, uh, they'll want to come down and see it, and, and it'll be awesome. It'll be great. <laughs> so thank you so much. Hey guys, make sure to check out all of our social medias. Feel free to send us your feedback at arts at una.edu or through the DMs of any of our social media. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you in the future. This podcast has been brought to you by UNA School of the Arts. Executive producer is Mark Gallegos, co-produced by Selena Fugate and Tyler Hankins. Special thanks to Dr. Terrence Brown and the entire SOTA staff.